Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that's quick to pull the trigger every time we hear about a great new RPG. I am your host, and the man with the backlog that will likely outlive me, David Lloyd. And this week we shine a spotlight on the best ways to get a video game recommendations in an age where you're constantly bombarded with information. Joining me tonight with her wedding guest list and a black marker at the ready, just in case she needs to scratch a few names to grab some games after tonight, it's Paige Detlison. I'm not sure how much shorter I can make that list, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I think we're going the, the pizza route, so that helps keep things cheaper. <laughs> so you're, what you're telling me is you, you pre-planned to, to keep things down so that you could you know, pick up some new games. That's that's what I take away from this. <laughs> you just tell your family not to listen to this episode and you'll be alright. It's alright, the ones that uh, aren't invited probably don't know about it, it's fine. <laughs> That's good. (laughs) You'll escape some family uh, retribution that way. And uh, joining us for the first time at the Thirsty Mage, bringing along RPG recommendations that are sure to feed our backlogs, it's Nintendo Force Magazine writer, Rebecca Rudranath. Hey, how is everybody? Good. That's good. Yeah, a little bit of advice from somebody who's been married for five years. Probably best to let your mom plan and lean back and let everything fall in her lap. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she she is doing a little bit. That's. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. I'm at the point where uh, I've been married so long that I I need to look back at the wedding pictures to remember because it was like 16 years ago now. Wow, 16. Uh, that's great. Um, I'll be married. Actually, at the end of this week, I'll be married five. Nice. Oh, that's great. The 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 fifth anniversary. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say it was actually 15 for me. I I was jumping ahead a year like, <laughs> in case in case my wife hears me editing this episode yeah. and I get in trouble. Clip around the ears. Yeah, 15 years and a couple months, so we had a, a winter wedding. Ooh, that must have been fun. Mm-hmm, and we had, uh, it was kind of the, the perfect weather, too, because there wasn't, it was in January, so the snow hadn't really come yet, and then we were kind of getting the the snow uh, at nighttime, so it was, worked well with the pictures and that, so it was, nice. it worked out well for us, but luckily it wasn't one of those regular Canadian winters where it's like negative, negative 30, negative 40, that, that could have uh, put a damper on the, the festivities, I think. Yeah, my um, wedding day, it was fairly seasonal, so um, luckily we had it indoors, so the only thing that we really had outside were pictures, and those went fine. That's good. Is, uh, Paige, are you taking your pictures? Uh, I'm going to just throw out the stereotypical. It, I'm assuming there's going to be somewhere in the outback with like an alligator and a kangaroo. No, it's, uh, I'll be on my mum's property, and she lives um, on a lake. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's in a few months, right, you said? Yeah, September. Congratulations, and I hope you have many happy years together. Thanks. As long as he stops deleting your video capture footage <laughs> on your PS5. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you put that in the wedding vow, right? <laughs> Probably should. <laughs> Just to be on the safe side. Well, as the uh, as the new guest to the uh, Thirsty Mage, Rebecca, did you want to kick off our uh, beer and or drink and or snack discussion? Well, um, recently I picked up a couple of cans of Narragansett's um, Dell's Mango Passion Fruit Shandy, which is a regional beer. Um, Narragansett is probably most famous for being the beer that Quint drinks in Jaws. And um, they do a collaboration with um, this lemonade stand that's common in Rhode Island. And they do the regular... Lemonade Shandy, and then this one is Mango Passion Fruit, and I discovered it at the grocery store one day, and I said, oh, I'd like to try that. And I also found out fairly recently that the new head brewer is actually somebody that I've known since elementary school, practically. I saw her at PAX East last year, gave her a big hug. (laughs) That's great. It's always good to have an in. Yeah, it's had a very long history, and apparently it um, fell out of business for a few years, and then they revived it only about, like, 15 years ago or so. Okay, crystal clear, golden yellow. That, that's one type of beer, like the Shandy. We have a few of those, the, the Shandy types up here, or the kind of the, the, I guess we have, like, so, some cider ones because of our uh, location to bull uh, orchards and that sort of thing, so that's usually the, the ones that we kind of get, but... Yeah, there's uh, those are terrific beers for summer days too. That's usually when we pick them up on our end. So, but this one looks pretty good. Yeah, if you ever come down to uh, New England, uh, be sure to look for it in the stores. And uh, Paige, I know last week you were telling us that you were going to take over for Jordan on the 
Yep. And, and, and bring an Australian delicacy that's going to blow, blow her socks off. Yep, well, speaking of celebrating, um, there's a classic Australian dish that any anyone knows growing up, um, and it actually took the uh, world by storm a few years ago, where people outside of Australia came across it and um, quite humorously um, made recipes for it, which is fairy bread, um, where it is simply a slice of bread, some butter or margarine or nutlet, and sprinkles, preferably hundreds and thousands, and like you just you know cover it in that. Chop it up into triangles, and there's fairy bread. So it was really funny when the like the bunch of places were posting their own recipes for it because they just discovered this. That is right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah. Hundreds and thousands are um. Those are the little colored sprinkles, right? Yeah, they're they're the circle ones, the colored spheres. Yeah, you you know they're at every birthday party, maybe at a barbecue. It's just it's just something so normal here. So it was really funny a few years ago that everyone else was. <laughs> being surprised by them. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the fruit sandwiches that they have in Japan that are um, slices of bread with uh, whipped cream and strawberries. Oh, okay. I can't say I've ever had it growing up, but it. But looking at it, it's like, why not? It just, it, the, simplic- the, the simplicity to it just seems so obvious, and it's, but yet we didn't need it here. It's so weird. <laughs> well, it's just, it's good for children. You know, you need to feed a bunch of kids at a party. That would be the perfect birthday party dessert. Fairy bread. Oh, man. Gonna have to remember this one. <laughs> I think I've got all the ingredients upstairs too. Yeah, that's the that's the that's, that's the point of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh cool. To finish off this discussion, I've got it's it's a, a beer that's very local here. It's made by the Perth Brewery just outside of Ottawa, and uh, this was uh, this one's called the Last Dual Lager. So it's it, it's uh, I don't know the the lager itself is is all right. It's a four point five, and it's it, it tastes kind of just what you'd expect lager to taste. But what was interesting to me was that they there's a little story on the front on the side of it because the last Canada's last duel, like last fatal duel anyway, was actually fought in Perth in uh, June of 1833, and <laughs> the duel uh, started over an insult to a young lady, and uh, so two two dudes uh, with a, I guess a little too much testosterone and. Uh, not enough to live for ended up going into a, a duel and uh, one got the girl and the the other got a gravestone I, I don't know what it has to do with the beer I guess and <laughs> I guess it's just a neat little story that they kind of attribute to the beer but it's a uh, pretty decent lager for what it is uh, I guess what they where it connects to it is that they say it stands tall and shoots straight so I I suppose I can't argue with that it's a pretty standard pretty straight taste in lager which is uh, again it Good, uh, a good summer beer for to for loggers. So it's good if you're young, scrappy, and hungry, and you're not going to throw away your shot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, they got. Uh, I, I love the picture on the the front of the can as well. It's um, they kind of look like Abraham Lincoln, I guess, with like the the hat and the beard, and then they're like standing back to back, and th- they got like the big dueler, like the big long dueling pistols that only have one shot that use the uh, like where you pour the the gunpowder in and put the little bullet in and uh under one of the gentlemen is uh, is a tombstone with the name which i'm assuming is the guy who died because it says robert lyon so 1833 so i guess i guess that was the last last gentleman to die in canada because of a duel that hit me now yeah that's right <laughs> that That, that kind of brings us to the topic of tonight's episode, which is uh, RPG recommendations. Start off with uh, talking just about how we get RPG recommendations these days, because even now, just going on the internet and they're with the social media and everything, we, we're always here about games all the time, and we know that there's review like hundreds of reviews, thousands of reviews for different games, and the eShop has got like 6,000 games on it these days. So we just want to talk about kind of some of the the better ways that we get our RPG recommendations, like what what the the different things that kind of affect our decisions on on how we purchase. And uh, we're going to start 
with uh, looking back to the ways the ways that we picked up games as kids. Because uh, I, I guess you, the two of you might be um, a lot, lot younger than me, but I, I more, I, I think I have more years in the pre-internet days than I did uh, afterwards. Or it's, it's pretty close to fifty-fifty, I guess. And uh, back in, back in those days, the, the only way that I r- really remember hearing about games was through Nintendo Power, through magazines, I guess. Nintendo Power was the one that I picked up. I guess there were there were commercials. There must have been commercials back in the day, but but for me that was basically, I would read about a game in Nintendo Power, and Nintendo would tell me basically what game to buy. <laughs> so I know Rebecca working uh, on a magazine that's that's kind of a spiritual successor. That I'm assuming that you're old enough to uh, to be of that generation as well, or at least on the the end of that, I would suppose. Yeah, I um, grew up actually subscribing to a magazine called Game Players, and it was a magazine that was available. My school did uh, magazine subscription fundraising every year, and one year I decided, hey, mom, dad, I want to subscribe to this. And they said, okay. And I probably had like one or two issues of uh, Nintendo Power, but that was when they would do the specials. Like, they had the one for Super Mario Bros. 3, and they had the one for Final Fantasy. But um, Game Players was the one that I mainly read. And then also, um, I don't know if either of you have ever heard of Disney Adventures magazine, but that was also pretty popular when I was growing up. And sometimes they um, ran some video game news on there, mostly mostly Disney video games. But every so often, they would talk or have an ad about a different um, video game in there. Um, game players did have a few, um, issues where they did RPG coverage. Like, there was one issue that I got that was a complete guide to the first quest of Legend of Zelda, and I'd bring that to my cousin's house, and we spent a week together over summer vacation playing with it together. And, um, I also found out about Final Fantasy II from there. Of course, we know it as Final Fantasy IV. And um, also another way that I would find out is through word of mouth. So when I was about junior high age, I was really into Magic the Gathering. And at my local game store, there was a kid who had gotten Chrono Trigger. And he taped pictures from the Chrono Trigger instruction book on his box of Magic cards. And that's how I found out about that. Explain what happens to some of the missing manuals. (laughs) (laughs) We had those same uh, elementary school fundraising things with the... Ours were through Scholastic. I don't know if that's the ones that you had down there. Did you do the book fairs? Yeah, I can't remember what we had to do. I just... I remember we had to, like, sell... We had to sell the the books and magazines to, like, our family members. And then I think, like, we all showed up to school and in the gym and, like, had to basically, like, dump off our... All all the checks and everything (laughs) for for all these different, like, uh, sales and stuff. And it, it seems seems kind of funny because well I guess it was a fundraiser for the school I suppose at the at the end of the day because it always felt funny it's like looking back at it now I guess we were just kind of like selling product for Scholastic but I suppose they gave us a cut. Yeah, when we did those magazine subscription um, drives, one of the highlights was um, we had a bar chart on the wall and the principal would cut off a piece of his tie to show progress. <laughs> oh jeez, <laughs> that poor tie. Uh, magazines uh, obviously were a thing when I grew up, but I didn't have access to many of them. I do remember maybe I'd find I'd get one random magazine and it would talk about game, and so that game would be in my head for ages because it was, you know, even though there might have been, you know, aside from some when we get into websites, I, I just wasn't too active on that, so it was just you know the only way. <laughs> yeah. Like there were some games that I only found about through a magazine, and then that would just be stuck in my head until eventually when I could potentially find them. Um, for me, I think it was mostly, um, for example, if it was RPG specifically, it would just be my uncle lending me his um, Pokemon Gold because I'd only played like the Pokemon Stadium games, like the spin-off games. So to play one of the actual Pokemon games was cool. And like even though it wasn't, you know, like the Nintendo 64 and 3D, it was still, I was still excited by it. It was fun. And in general, just going to somebody else's house and seeing a game you've never heard of is probably the best way to learn, especially, you know, we only had Nintendo at my house, so going to other people's places where they had the PlayStation, or um, going on a vacation camp and they had an Xbox, you'd find out about different games. For me, growing up, I, I lived in kind of a smallish town, I guess. There wasn't a whole lot of 
video game players were like in my school or anything. So the uh, going to someone's house, I guess, wasn't uh, as as big a factor for me. Like I, I had a friend who had a Sega Genesis, but I couldn't stand Sega growing up. So I just <laughs> didn't didn't get too many recommendations from that. And then uh, my best friend, he had a PlayStation and I, get, I was I was pretty uh, in the Nintendo ecosystem at that point. So there it was there was a bit of a rivalry between uh, which which system was better. Did either of you ever go to a video store and look at what was on the shelf and decide, hey, that looks interesting, I want to play it? Yeah, I think I'd been shown, like, The Sims 1 to other kids, so I went and got that. But then I saw that, like, I had no idea, you know, I didn't know about gaming as much, so I had no idea there were Sims 2, so when I saw that in the store, I had to beg for that (laughs) as well. Yeah, we had a blockbuster video that I would bike to to pick up games, and then if the game I wanted was wasn't in stock, there was actually a, a video game specific store like three down. the The name of the place is escaping me now, which is which is too bad. But uh, later, like when I was getting a bit older, and right before the those places were kind of going down, the the video game store ended up like even renting out PC games, uh, which was I thought was pretty neat. Probably wasn't the greatest thing uh, for those video games because you could download the game and then just get one of those no C- no CD key uh, uh, hacks. Uh, so, I mean, for a 14-year-old who didn't know any better, uh, I, I the one decision I guess I regret later, now, now that I'm a little bit older. I feel, feel kind of bad I didn't pay for a lot of PC games, but yeah, that's a, that's a great... I didn't even think of that uh, for, as a way of finding out about games because going even going in a blockbuster and you have all the walls of video games and basically you're you're being sold on the box, I guess. Like, you look at the front of the box and then read the description on the back and give it a try for three days and see how it goes. Do you remember any particular games uh, that you rented from uh, from a blockbuster that you ended up purchasing later on? Well, unfortunately, it's not an RPG, but DuckTales. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. I think also Legend of Zelda for me because I rented it a lot and played it a lot at my friends and relatives' houses before I finally got a copy of my own for Christmas. And what was interesting is one time I rented it from a nearby video store and my save file was still on it. Like four or five months later. It was amazing. As we kind of get uh, out of that age of the <laughs> the pre-internet days, uh, we have we come to the basically the internet era uh, when you pretty much had uh, full full-scale information that you could uh, at your fingertips at any time. Going to basically websites or even the publishers themselves to get information. I guess back in those days, I would have been looking up. I think I was uh, in PC gaming a lot back then, so I would have been finding out when the latest Command and Conquer was coming out or. Knights of the Old Republic would have been around that time too, I guess. Go- going to publisher websites is something that would have never occurred to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though they still do keep things updated. Also, yeah. this was the era where a lot of people had their own personal websites on um, GeoCities and Tripod and such, and they'd make web pages mm-hmm. and shrines for games and characters and host uh, art and fan fiction and everything, sprite art, all sorts of really fun web pages that, I mean, we really haven't seen the likes of them in the past couple of years since personal web pages have kind of fallen by the wayside. That's how I found out about a lot of um, games and characters. Like, I used to um, visit a lot of the uh, fan sites for Final Fantasy III when I was first getting into the game. I'd probably say a lot of the, a lot of that reason might just be from, like, SEO, I guess. Like, just, just having a hard time finding those kinds of, like, very specific sites. Especially when you have like so many fan, like bigger fan sites. There's so many of those types of sites where there's like 20, 30 people working on them. But it's still, I wouldn't say you would get the the same like dedication to any particular game. Like it's still kind of like coverage of of a, a broader scale. That said, there are still some around. Like one that I found as a kid that that had been around for ages was when I first was getting into Harvest Moon games. 
and I found these sites that not only had guides to most of the things in the game, but it also showed upcoming games that went out, and like they'd buy the Japanese one and talk about what they could tell was in oh, that. Oh, Ushino Tane, right? Um, which is... Yes. Oh, I love yeah. that. So, um, which they're now... Um, they, now you can just go on fogu.com without doing the slash HM because they've just taken over that part of the main webpage. Um, yeah, but they're still going. Uh, I think they decided to cover both story seasons and the new Harvest Moon. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's good that yeah, something that's been around that long and covers specifically those games are still going. Did find it um, I think interesting that they don't cover Rune Factory because that was I think a personal decision by one of the people. Um, but they're still really cool, and like yeah, even the old guides are still up, and they've got like forums. I don't know if they're that that active now, but you can still read the old ones anyway. Oh no, there's still posts from this year. Yeah, I remember yeah. going to that site when I had Back to Nature on the um, PlayStation. Yeah, there, it says a site's from like 2000, and I don't think I discovered it till like 2007 <laughs> or so. <laughs> Oh, screen is still up and running, and and then you said they're doing they're still posting now. You said, eh? Yeah. Kind of around that time, I was active a lot on. Uh, I think it was called it was like a chat program. I think it was called MIRC. Oh yeah. I I almost want to call it like an early Discord <laughs> to a certain extent, like a kind of very DOS like Discord, uh, because it was basically kind of the same same way where you would there would be like rooms that you would go to, and then people would be in the rooms. And then they just be kind of chatting away in the rooms. It was also a, a good way to like fall into places where you shouldn't really be. <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely a few rooms I regretted uh, clicking on when back in those days. But it was pretty neat to find stuff too, because I remember finding uh, a lot of um, comic like that. I got into reading like digital comics that way because you'd get into a room and then you could actually like scan people's computers to find files on their computers. And just download them. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember using um, IRC to get fan subs for um, anime that hadn't been released in the U.S. yet. That's cool. Yeah, nowadays, um, nowadays with uh, Crunchyroll and Funimation, it's pretty much as soon as it's announced. Oh, we got we're getting streaming. So it's really interesting how everything has just evolved. Um, I do want to mention that if it weren't for frequenting some of the IRC chat rooms, I never would have found out about Phoenix Wright. Oh, that's neat. So you were you were in a Phoenix Wright uh, fan room? I forget exactly where I was, but somebody mentioned it when I told them, I saw this game at the store, it looked interesting, and I'm thinking about getting a DS, and they said, oh, get Phoenix Wright, it's awesome, it's great. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So it, it, it kind of mirrors basically what it's become today. Discord feels just like a, a modern version of that. Like, it's basically that, I would say that's basically where it evolved from. The they've just made it a whole lot easier so that you don't have to. I remember actually typing in like commands to to kind of like maneuver through the different branches of different rooms. But I guess before we get into specifically Discord, <laughs> I guess that suppose <laughs> that brings us to uh, kind of the the mo the social media era. I suppose it would be what we're living in now. For that, it would be like YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, obviously. That's the thing with Twitter these days is that that's one of the things I always see is that someone is talking about a game and you'll you'll see. You know all these people who who chime in with with <laughs> their uh, opinion on on that whether good or bad. I I don't know. I can't say again. Maybe it's just because I'm a little bit older, but I I find getting the uh, the RPD recommendations on something like Twitter uh, almost overwhelming in those kind of like open forum areas. I guess where it's kind of just open to everybody. Oh, there is actually one not really social media way I used to find out about some games too. So I would go through categories on Wikipedia because especially, I mean, I f a few years ago, life simulation games, there were very, not that many. Um, so, you know, I'd f look up a game I like and then find out what genre it's in and then find other games in that genre. And that's how I'd find out about some games. <laughs> so that's how I found out about like Princess Maker before it got that Steam release, like other things like Alter Ego, stuff like that. Well, that's clever. I did, wouldn't have thought to do that. I, I've used Wikipedia for publishers where like if I play a game from a publisher I hadn't played before and really liked the game, then I would see what else they made. But I never, yeah, I never thought to go into Wikipedia for like to, to look through like a category. How about you, Rebecca? Is, do you use YouTube at all or Twitch for viewing, like, if you hear about a game to 
see like gameplay or to, to watch reviews or that sort of thing? Yeah, I've definitely used uh, YouTube and Twitch in the past. Um, I've got a few friends that um, stream online. And um, I've also used like, there was a time when I had to review a game that was out in Europe before it was out in America. So I had to uh, watch some European YouTubers play it in order to write a preview for Nintendo Force. Oh, that's interesting. I'm like the only one I can think of something like Yokai Watch. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, which uh, it's not. It's not often you hear that Europe is the first one to get a game. By the way, this was the third style savvy game. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, which in Europe would be New Style Boutique Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've actually. Yeah, I was going through with someone like we're talking about those games, and like it's a bit yeah, a bit more confusing with the power region naming. <laughs> Yep, there's a different naming convention in Japan, Europe, and America. Next yep. in America, it's just style savvy, and then in palettes like style boutique for the DS, and then the second one is new style boutique. So the third one is new style boutique two, and the fourth one is number three. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's impressive that that person uh, had a had a setup uh, in place to be able to even capture that game. Yeah, they were, um, if I recall correctly, they were from Spain, and I couldn't really, I don't really understand Spanish all that much, but um, I watched their Let's Plays, and um, they were so enthusiastic about it. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> was the was the game at least in English, or was, or was it also like written in Spanish? So it was also in Spanish, but I also um, can read Japanese. I wasn't able to find any Japanese playthroughs of the game, and the text speed in that game is a little bit too fast for me to read. Yeah, I guess if you... I'm assuming you probably played earlier versions of, of that series, so I guess you probably at least have a, a sense of like what was happening uh, to a certain extent, I guess. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, well, uh, my daughter actually loves... Uh, I don't know, whatever the latest style savvy is, uh, that, I think it came out a couple years ago for 3DS. I know she's been playing Oh, yeah, that. the latest one? Yeah. It's been great for her because she's, uh, like, when we first bought it for, I think we, it was uh, oh, a little over a year ago, and she was, because she's seven now, and it's, so when we first got it, her, her reading skills weren't quite there. Like, she wasn't really understanding what to do, but now that she's older... Uh, it's she's she knows what to do now like nobody has to to explain like uh, because a lot of the clues are like descriptions right they're like i want this uh a, fr a frilly dress or something like back then we'd have to explain what the description was so that she could find it but now that this, she's able to read it herself she's like just going through the game at warp speed and and just keeps on replaying it because she enjoys it so much but it's been a good good use for her to uh just to, to help kind of solidify her reading skills like it, it's uh I, i'm happy she's really enjoying it it's it's that and um tomodachi life i think it's called yeah, yeah. tomodachi yeah. life yeah she was actually playing that one today and just lost her like she went into this huge laughing fit because the uh the me had just said that he had traded his car in for this brand new uh top of the line barbecue and she thought it was like completely <laughs> ridiculous that someone would trade a car for a barbecue. And she's just screaming at the top of her head laughing. And she's just like, eh. and I'm like, what's so funny? She's like, this guy is trying to tell me he sold, he sold his car for a barbecue. He's a liar. And then I guess like she had to, the mechanic was that she like the, the meat was cooking on the grill and she had to blow on the, the 3DS to, to like move the smoke or something. Like I, I haven't played that game myself, but it sounds hilarious. the other uh, kind of modern day modern day places to get information are podcasts obviously this is uh, i know for me it's uh, it, it's it's a very recent thing that that i actually discovered podcasts about 4 years ago my after my wife started going back to work um, after matt leave the uh, i was kind of driving her in and driving her back so i was spending about 3 hours a day on the road and finding it uh, wow yeah and uh, i was actually when the kids started going to school, it actually jumped up to about four hours a day on the road. So the, but uh, for those three to four hours in the car, uh, I was just finding it. Um, 
I needed something to like distract me from the road. Someone had recommended like, why don't you listen to podcasts? I think even my wife just said like, one day I think I was like falling asleep in the, while I was driving or something. She's like, you need you need something to to stimulate yourself while you're driving, and, and music wasn't quite cutting it anymore. So she so we looked up some podcasts and yeah, I just googled Nintendo and found Radio Free Nintendo and that's kind of opened the door to a bunch of different podcasts, which uh, which is I guess if if I was to say modern day like. A few years ago, that would probably be where I was getting a lot of recommendations because I went from there to Retronauts, and uh, I can tell you that there's been a a, a few games that I have purchased uh, specifically on on the rec- like them covering on a show. Like I remember the uh, Vagrant Story was I can't remember it might have been a couple years ago they were talking about Vagrant Story, and I think it took about 24 hours for me to pick up that one on my uh, Vita. So I got into podcasting for the same reason that you did. I had um, a very long commute into work about four years ago myself, and one of the first podcasts that I listened to was the Power Pros podcast, which was hosted by uh, Chris Hoffman, who was a writer for Nintendo Power before um, they closed, and he's now, I believe he's now at WayForward, if I'm not mistaken, and um, Pete Michaud was his co-host. And I found out a lot about some really great games from the two of them. They were always very entertaining. Um, I loved writing into them and um, hearing every week's um, music selection and their dramatic reading. (laughs) My other big one that I've been listening to lately is Axe of the Blood God, which is RPG-centric. And that one is actually hosted by one of my Nintendo Force um, co-authors, Nadia Oxford and uh, Kat Bailey. It was part of um, US Gamer before they closed, and they've spun it off and become independent, and I became a patron, and I've been listening regularly to them for probably about the past year or so. They've been talking about um, the different RPGs that have come to define the console generations, and um, I think recently they just wrapped up the uh, PS Vita, but I could be mistaken. I know uh, that that was actually one I was uh, listening to as well, uh, Axe of the Bullet God. Uh, it was kind of like them and Retronauts for uh, a lot of the time, and then now that now that I haven't been driving, I, my, I'm like way behind on all, a bunch of those podcasts, but um, yeah, that's a great one too. Did you, did you know Nadia before she started doing Blood, the Axe of the Bullet God? No, I don't think I did. I mean, I've I've been with Nintendo Force since probably the middle of 2015. So I'm not sure if she was doing it back then. Okay. Have they convinced you to pick up Final Fantasy XIV yet? I actually had a friend of mine convince me to pick up Final Fantasy XIV. I got the free trial, I created a character, I pre- played it for a little while, and unfortunately... The trial ran out, but um, he has been successful in converting another couple of friends of mine. So, if See, I t- the new <laughs> the new free trial has because the base game and the expansion, and you got like there's no time on it. It's just up to level sixty. So maybe so I'm um, not sure if you'd be valid for it. You'd have to start again, maybe. Yeah, I'm not really sure because I got my free trial off of the free landlords that they were giving out at PAX East one year. I'm trying to remember. I was just looking at the 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 tra- the information on because uh, I was I'm going to be downloading it on my PS5 sooner or later, and I, I'm pretty sure that the free trial was on the PS Store. Like I think there's one of the games has it. Yeah, Paige convinced me to pick it up, and then she just recently told me she's <laughs> ditching me ditching off my server too. Well, they're making Australian servers, so <laughs> it also doesn't help that I fell fell so far behind. So I I I can't complain too much. I have preemptively moved because my sibling keeps ditching, like, you know, makes me join a free company, leaves the free company, leaves the world, goes to <laughs> like, just leaving me behind. The friend that recruited me and another couple of my friends actually has been playing since the A Realm Reborn beta. But not, like, since the bad version of the game, or, like, since that bad version of the game? <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. I just know that they've been playing for a very long time because they have a lot of cool stuff on their character. Yeah. For me, I don't think podcasts are something I listened to too much before I actually started being on one. <laughs> um, there was I used to listen to something, I don't, like a YouTube channel that I don't anymore, and that they would basically be podcasts, but they just have 
gameplay footage going on and I would use that when like exercising which I haven't done for a while but I found podcasts good for um because I don't commute you know um, like I go to work but it only takes maybe 20 minutes so <laughs> it's not that not in the city so when I walk the dog is a good time to listen to a podcast for me because I get a good half an hour at least that's good so now that you've been on one what are you gravitating which podcast are you gravitating towards now like do you have a, a go-to one well, I can't catch up on the Thirsty Mage, especially for episodes that I'm not on. <laughs> and I guess listen to Talk Nint- um, the Talk Nintendo one now. Oh, yeah, so with Casey. You know, I, I need to do some research before we had our um, crossover episode. And I've been listening to the TetraCast from the staff of an RPG site. Okay. Another one that I've been listening to that's really good is the Crossplayers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, ben, uh, Ben's been on uh, the Thirsty Mage a couple times, actually. Oh, nice. Uh, ben and well, and I think we had Steve on for the oh man, it was one of the from softwares, Bloodborne. That's it. <laughs> I was trying to think, think of yeah, yeah. So they've been around. Um, well, and then uh, Ben is there's a connection with Perry. Uh, like they they work together. So he's he was actually on Talk Nintendo podcast uh, just last week, I think. So yeah, they're yeah, that's a nice one. They were the uh, the Switch Island for a little while, and then they they switched over. Yeah, now that they're playing some. Some uh, different consoles now. I think uh, Ben's got uh, an Xbox, I think. And then I'm pretty sure Steve's got a PS5, I think. So, yeah, I also just want to talk about um, how I, I ended up uh, finding, like, coming across you, Rebecca, because recently the, um, with my kids, like, I, my kids are uh, 10 and 7 now. And the, one of the things with, uh, with listening to a podcast is I was actually, one of the podcasts I listened to, they were a little loose uh, with the swear words. And it didn't occur to me until my kids were in the car and, and they started letting them fly. And uh, my son asked me, like, why they're allowed to say bad words. And then it was like, oh, oh, yeah, I, I shouldn't be listening to this while they're in the car. <laughs> and then it kind of hit me that there's there's so much, like, even with all of the overload of information and everything and, and all the podcasts that I listen to and and even stuff that I'm reading, it's it's all very geared towards, like, the, the 18 to 40 demographic, I guess. Like, it's gotten a lot more mature than I remember back in the day. So uh, coming across Nintendo Force was uh, worked out really well for me because we recently, I think um, it was about three issues ago, I think. So about six months ago uh, that that we started um, purchasing or I, I think I purchased like one at one uh, magazine to, to give to my son to see if he would read it and absolutely fell in love with it. So we ended up uh, joining the Patreon to so that we get we get the digital version every every uh, two months now, and it, it it's been perfect because it I I can just give it to him and he actually just takes it to bed and uh like he just takes an iPad and reads it in bed, uh for about a half an hour before every night. So I mean it's great because he's he's really into video games, so it gives him that uh, opportunity to to read about stuff. But then like I don't have to worry about him coming across anything that he shouldn't be either reading or hearing or something like that. <laughs> so it it, it feels good that way. And um, the the funny thing too was is I was actually uh, talking to him this morning. Um, they actually they weren't in school today, and I had told him I said, uh, "Oh, one of the people that you one of the people that writes the for your magazine that you read every every day is is going to be on the podcast. He's, he's like, oh, who's that? And I said, oh, it's uh, it's Rebecca. And he goes, oh, it's the the she did the uh, the Metopia review. And I'm like, yeah. Oh. And he's like, oh, and and the Nosha one too, right? And I'm like, and so I'm like going through the magazine. Oh yeah, <laughs> like I couldn't the the uh, details that the kids remember is just astonishes me. Um, a little flattered, although I gotta say, though, probably wait a few years before he plays Gnosia. Yeah, no, <laughs> I actually, I actually yeah. do have that on the Switch. Um, I, I, I actually reviewed it for the Thirsty Mage website, and yeah, I know that there's, uh, that, that's not one of the kids' games. There's, ba- I basically, like, given them this, uh, we have two Nintendo Switch in the house, and they, they basically claim them as their own, but. There's definitely like games where I'm like, okay, you can't play this, and you can't play this, and you can't play this, and yeah, that's that's one of the ones just, that they can't play. Just gotta put the parental control yep. on. Well, I I think he'd figure out how to get around it, so I just I just trust him. Yeah, I mean, I was able to uh, work the VCR when I was about three, so I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, we um we have a lot of parents with young kids on staff. Um, I know. At least um, a couple of kids that are elementary school age, 
and um, we've started running reviews for games that are tailored to that younger set. Like a couple of issues ago, we did a review of one of the Paw Patrol licensed titles, and we also reviewed that one um, Bakugan game from Way Forward. And I did, um, way back in my beginning with the magazine, I did the tie-in game for the uh, Peanuts movie, because I really like Peanuts. And um, I ended up actually giving the copy of the game to my boss's son because uh, he really liked it. And um, also, uh, our editor, Lucas, um, he is having his son, one of his sons, he's got four boys, and I believe it's the oldest that's actually been um, helping him out with some of the impressions on some of his reviews, like the Bakugan one, and also I think he talked a little bit about um, his Pokemon journey. That's neat. It's definitely worth getting uh, a kid's experience if if it's if you want to know if other kids will enjoy it. Like it's one thing for an adult to be to play it and then be like, "Oh, I'm sure your kid will enjoy it." And it's like, well, there there there's a bunch of things that I play that I would be like, "Ah, oh, this kind of this is kind of boring or kind of silly." And then I watch my kids play it and love it, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> well, and kids are just very picky too. So you think something's really good for them, and they just give up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That reminds me. One time I was on a plane and um, I was seated away from my family and next to me was a boy who was probably elementary school age and he noticed that I had a switch and he said, wow, I've never seen a grown up with a switch before. And I told him, oh, this is for work. I do reviews for a magazine. And he said, oh, what kind of games do you like? And I said, oh, I like art role playing games and Legend of Zelda. Do you like Minecraft? Uh, I've never really played Minecraft. You've never really played Minecraft? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Well, words to that effect, yeah. but basically, I was... Yeah, what is wrong with it? <laughs> I was being schooled by a nine-year-old. Luckily, um, his um, we were on a plane that had the individual movie screens on the seat, so he was easily distracted. My kids actually did that to me with uh, when Animal Crossing came out. I purchased that for them because I thought they would enjoy it. And they played it for about an hour each and then just, nah. <laughs> and now, well, but it's funny because now... Uh, I think what happened was is that my daughter, the, the way my daughter plays Switch is that she doesn't necessarily get into one game in particular. Like she, she'll she like scroll through the catalog and play like a bunch of games for like an hour or two and then just move on. But uh, she recently, I guess it was like last month, decided uh, that she would give Animal Crossing a try again. And it's become a staple when she, I don't know if it's like, that she just didn't have the attention span to to like build up the island or something but all of a sudden like now that the new characters are coming in and and she was recognizing them and and enjoying like seeing that they had like names and personalities and everything all of a sudden like she's telling me about she's like oh kk's supposed to be coming to my island soon and I'm like, okay. I guess the, what kind of inspired this this whole um, episode has been kind of the, like a recent re- revelation, I suppose, that I think looking back at all like the, the purchases that I've done recently, I, I can pretty much link them back to the people in our in our Discord channel. There there always seems to be this um, the, the Legend of Hero series is, is really where it kind of started, where surprisingly enough, like we, we have all these Legend of Hero fans in, in the Discord and I was kind of under the impression that that a lot of them were were already <laughs> Legend of Heroes fans that kind of just kind of gravitated toward our Discord because there's so much discussion about it. And then I got talking with um, a couple people later on, like a, like a f- few months kind of after the craze started, and and finding it and asking them like, oh, so you know, how long you been a fan? And they're like, well, since like the Trails in the Sky episode on the on the Mage podcast. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought you guys were all fans like before this. And so it was f- funny to hear like that that this has spawned such a like a huge thing. Like a lot of the, there there certainly is people who have come like Kaseki fans that have come over uh because of it, but there a bunch of the people there, you know, became it because of this and then that kind of led um whenever we get talking about a game and then there'll be other recommendations where 
there's actually like games that I purchased that I don't I couldn't even pronounce them for you. Like there was one game the other day. I I think we've talked about it before. Udawa Warda. It's like this weird Japanese sounding name. Utawaerumono. Yes, that's the one. The I think Prelude to the Fallen is the one I ended up picking up. That one I specifically purchased because uh because will in the uh the discord has been is has mentioned that it would specifically he it just said like this this is a game that you personally would enjoy and uh especially after like the legend of heroes and then people saying like play the ease games and i'd actually played uh, ease 8 for like an hour and didn't care for it like for three or four years ago when i played it ended up playing through ease 9 and now i'm like sucked into the ease world as well like just the neon falcons got got me wrapped around the finger now but i i just kind of come to the realization that to me the where i'm getting my recommendations these days is is from the the discord people that all like we all kind of share a very similar taste in rpgs yeah small communities are really good for spreading word of mouth about different games like me and my friends, like I mentioned, we're all kind of close-knit, and that includes the one who was trying to recruit us to uh, join him in Final Fantasy XIV. And then um, we actually have my um, friend and her wife started streaming recently, and um, we got them into playing the Phoenix Wright games on stream, and they really enjoyed them. And now you can get them into the... What's the next... The ones that are getting English localized finally. Oh, the Great, the Great. Ace Attorney. <laughs> yeah. Now that that's coming to Switch soon, right? The isn't there like a Phoenix right? Yeah, it's coming um July twenty seventh, I believe. That sounds about right. It it was supposed to be like late summer or something like that. And I think that was like yeah, it's... in Japan already, but now it's localized or something, right? Yeah, it was um a three DS Japan exclusive. Um but what happened was that um do you remember the Capcom hack earlier this year? Yes, yeah. Yeah, one yeah. of the bits of information that was um that was hacked was the fact that they were localizing these two games for the Switch. And another thing that um, kind of worked against it was the fact that they have uh, Sherlock Holmes as a character, but with a very clever remake. <laughs> that's the, the Herlock Holmes, right? Uh, I think that's an actual... Th- I've seen several games do the Herlock Holmes thing, and I think that's actually something. Because, like, um, Sherlock had a lot of, like, not official follow-ups um i think that was a thing sherlock is getting close to not being uh being in the public domain i think yeah in america i think the very last sherlock holmes stories fall into the public domain in like 2023 yeah i knew it was it was coming up yes i think um yeah some some several games have done the herlock Holmes thing (laughs) i think yeah youtube um and stuff like that is like Kind of a decent replacement for going over to people's houses and being able to see them playing a game you haven't heard of, especially if they get them like early access so you can actually see the games before they're even out. For me, I think the only game I sort of picked up through like that I wouldn't have looked up otherwise recommendations was uh, AI The Somnium Files because someone in another Discord talked about, ah, oh, it's sad that this game's going to get overlooked because of when it was releasing, but I still wasn't really. Like, it, it looked quite different to what it was to me. Like, looking at it on the store page, didn't seem that interested. Um, but then someone on Twitter had shown this um, funny clip involving Iba on a forklift, and that was, like, what <laughs> yeah. made me have to get the game. <laughs> so did, you got it pretty close to release, then? Um, actually, I got it in December that year because they announced they were doing a physical release in Australia with, like, about a couple of weeks' notice, so I got a collector's edition, actually, which, unfortunately, had this big sticker on it, so now that's just got sticker marks on it <laughs> but i have my little um i'm forgetting one of the character's names um but there's it comes with a acrylic figure of um, uh date no no the, the, the girl the pink hair oh girl. yeah so it's got an acrylic figure of her um an book and stuff and i've also been holding on to the sticker of iba for a really long time and now that i finally got my um pc she's sitting um behind the glass there such as on my computer. I'm a big fan of the Zero Escape trilogy, so apparently I need to pick up the Somnium Files as well. You haven't pl- you haven't played that one? Oh my goodness. <laughs> See, like, haven't played AI or Minecraft? What is she even doing? I don't know. It's funny. The AI is the game I played before. The, like, I ended up getting the Zero Escape games after playing AI. AI is kind of like the perfect... Uh, example of kind of the well, I guess what the kind of the, the whole topic of the episode because I remember when it first came out uh, I don't I don't know how but I ended up getting a review copy of it 
through Spike Chunsoft and had no idea what it, what it was going in and started playing it. And then like there was initial like this game's kind of weird. And then it was like, this game is like magnif- <laughs> magnificently weird. <laughs> like it was so good. <laughs> and then I remember after playing it and uh, I think I ended up giving it like a 10 out of 10 review because it was so amazing. And I was and telling like everyone about it and there was like zero buzz, like nobody cared. <laughs> and I couldn't believe that nobody cared. And uh, like shouting from the, the rooftops to anyone that would listen to pick up that game. And uh, so sad when it kind of came out to a thud almost like it just it, it didn't really. I, I feel like it, it it's had some some decent sales later. Like it's, it's kind of one of those slow burn ones. Huh. But um, and uh, it's again, going back to the discord too, like. Every every time it goes on sale, I go on Discord and I go, I don't know who needs to hear this, but this game is on sale again. <laughs> and I know a couple of people have picked it up uh, based on like someone re- uh, will very recently p- ended up picking that up. And and again, uh, wouldn't have bought it if, if I if he hadn't been sick of me, you know, <laughs> pounding the pavement with that one, like pick this one up, pick this one up. And, and he's having a great time with it. Yeah, I would I would say that it's it it's basically zero escape, but funny. And and the funniness is um is kind of a weird funny because because the seriousness of everything is still there, <laughs> but but it's like but it's still ridiculous. But they don't acknowledge it's ridiculous. It's just I don't know. It's just it's fantastic. Is there any weird fringe science in it? Oh oh, there's definitely yeah. very weird fringe science. Hmm, sounds like it's right up my alley then. Yeah. Well, the the main mechanic of the game involves science, like fringe. Science. Yeah. It, it kind of hits you with a sledgehammer with that. Like, when you realize, like, oh, <laughs> it's like one of those things. See, see, now what you've done is said too much by another. All right, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely should pick that one. This is the last call for alcohol this evening. Drink up, drink up, drink up, and order again. This is the last call for alcohol. Get going. Uh, I guess this is probably a good time to, to go into last call since we're <laughs> kind of talking about the these RPGs and what we'd recommend. And um, I don't think there would be any better way to end the episode with by uh, talking about an RPG that maybe uh, that we would have uh, recommended to, to people out there and, and explain a, just a little bit on why if, if someone's passed this up, maybe if it's a game that's already existed or it's coming out. Uh, why we should get it and why we enjoy it. And uh, as the guest, Rebecca, why don't you kick us off? Well, um, I think my main big review would probably be The World Ends With You. I know I brought it up when um, we were first talking about recording this episode, and you said that you hadn't played it at all. No, I so I, I bought the DS game. Like, I found a, a, a old copy of the DS game at, like, a thrift shop, and I ended up purchasing it, and then I had actually said to Jordan, like, we're we're going to cover this at some point. And he's like, yeah, yeah, probably. So, so I pick it up and then he was, and then I told him and he's like, okay, I'll try to find it. And then he tells me, he's like, oh, I can't find any cheap copies of it. So no. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I ended up giving it away to one of the patrons. Well, um, it is pretty good. Um, there is one caveat though. I reviewed the switch version for Nintendo force oh, no. <laughs> and it was, if Did for you some fall off, um, I actually played in handheld mode because oh, okay, I did not like the motion <laughs> controls whatsoever. And it's even worse when you have uh, drift on your Joy-Cons. Ooh. Also, another thing that kind of works against it is that they already re-released it for um, smartphones probably about like five or six years ago. But um, the one thing about the Switch version is the fact that you can play in high-res graphics on a big screen. The DS version is okay. <laughs> um, it does take getting used to, especially with uh, mashing buttons with one hand and using the stylus with the other. But the Switch version, I mean, it's much more accessible, especially since I think the DS game has gone up in price on the secondary market lately. And it's a good way to prepare yourself for the sequel, which is going to be coming out this summer. I really liked the music in The World Ends With You so much that I... Yeah managed to find the soundtracks at an anime convention, and it was like, ooh, instant buy, instant buy. And the characterization is also really good. 
Um, one thing that um, is happening right now is that there's actually an animated version of it that is currently airing in Japan, and they added in some interesting side scenes, which really help to flush out the story in ways the game can't. Okay. Is it the is the anime like basically play the game played out or? Um, pretty much. Although they've had to um condense a lot of the action and um change a couple of the settings and scenes. I mean, for example, in the world ends with you. Everybody uses flip phones, but in the animation, everybody is on smartphones because the game originally came out in two thousand seven in Japan. Yeah. And with uh, with Neo, the the sequel coming out, I, I'm guessing it would probably be a good idea to play that first one because I'm assuming that it's kind of a direct sequel. Um, from what I have been hearing, it takes place three years later, and in the sense, it is a direct sequel. Hmm. But I don't know if you'll need any prior knowledge of the previous game. I mean, that is probably something that we'll have to find out later. Uh, Paige, you you never played the... You haven't played this one either, right? No, I've owned it for a while. I actually had to buy another copy because I lent my original copy to somebody and they lost it. So, <laughs> okay. the, the, so the DS wow, copy, yesterday, right? Yeah. 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 So you own it now, or...? Yeah. I, I got rid of the Switch version because my wrists were like, no, I'm not playing it like this. And if I'm going to play it handheld, I'm going to play it on the DS. <laughs> I do have to say that playing it on handheld on the Switch actually worked out a lot better. Um, so are we ready for my recommendation? Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm I fooled you. It's actually Final Fantasy XIV Online with a free trial that lets you play the base game and the award-winning expansion Heaven's Water with up to level sixty completely free. <laughs> Just um, they've actually got some. Yeah, I already talked about it in like the previous episode, but that's not my main recommendation. I just had to do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm actually super. Can you yeah, do that in all me. one breath? <laughs> yeah. I think she's got to memorize it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but really, my recommendation will be um, Dragon Quest Eleven, specifically Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age, a definitive edition. <laughs> so. There's actually, um, I think, some kid to review, and he kept saying the full title like each time he mentioned the game, which was great. <laughs> so this is the one that's specifically for the Switch, right? Uh, they put well, it onto other versions now. Yeah, I was going to say, it's ah. it recently came out on PS4. The Switch... Well, that's the hilarious yeah. part. Is like There was the version that came out on PS4, and then the Switch got its own version yeah. that has like things that's not in the PS4 version. And then the PS4 got the one that's on the Switch, so there's like a second version of it on PS4 now? Yeah, and it's separate because it's based on the Switch version, so yeah. um, it's not compatible. Like, it yeah, um, has the 2D version. The graphics aren't quite as good. <laughs> but, wasn't there a, D, a 3DS version that never was released outside of Japan? Yes, I have the special 3DS, <laughs> liquid metal slime 3DS, um, that is very hard to photograph because it is reflective, so it's not <laughs> not flattering. <laughs> Yeah, and I think some people still kind of want that version because one thing they did in the the S ver the definitive version of Dragon Quest Eleven was have these parts where you'll go to um, small areas of previous games um, and help out with something, um, which in the definitive edition is only in two D, um, whereas on the three DS version they actually had those three D modeled. Um, so it's a bit sad that I can't see like Treading Castle in 3D again. But yeah, there are some things. Yeah, that for the most, I don't think that maybe there's a few things that got left behind in the 3DS version. But I think a lot of the features from that got put in the definitive edition, like being able to play the game in 2D, which was in the 3DS version where you could actually have, we could even have it. I think like one's top screen might have been one way or the other. But yeah, I definitely, I'd probably recommend that version just because it's got the extra stuff. And if you haven't played it before, you might as well play the other version. Plus, you've got the um, demo that goes up to like getting like a full party, basically. Um, for me, it only took a few hours to play because I had the fast forward and I'd already played the game before. But I think a lot of people, it takes about 10 hours or so just to play that. And then that'll save carry over as well, which is always good. Yeah, I started playing the demo and um, I stopped for a little while. I think I still have it on my Switch. And then, yeah, speaking of, I think also... I don't know if too many game recommendations once, but also, it's just been interesting that they have um, long demos that actually carry the save over, because I hate when they do really long ones that don't. Um, but I think they do that with uh, Dragon Quest Builders 2. They actually expanded the demo, and now it includes like the first area, first main part of the game. So you can get like a really good idea of what 
like both of these games are um, and still have your save. So when you do decide to buy it, you can just carry it over and don't have to start again. Yeah, I know Casey and Jordan have been trying to talk me into getting Dragon Quest Builders too. You've got to, I mean, you've got to beat that, f- just play the demo because then you'll have already beaten that first area because you need to do that to unlock the multiplayer anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> I know for me, I, I had played the first one and I was, it was fine, but it wasn't exactly like my thing. And then they were trying, I guess the, the, the sale for this one, like two, is that they lean less, like, well, I guess you could tell me they they lean less out of the Minecraft and kind of go more towards the story, right? Yeah, it is like you've just got um basically story arcs per island you go to and you help people out. And yeah, I, it's actually one of the games where it's like I put it down for other stuff and I really need to <laughs> go back to it. <laughs> well, on that one, I'm I'm pretty sure that one goes on sale quite often, like when Square does their big sales, because I think they just had a sale on it recently. So yeah, maybe I'll I'll, I'll no excuses that's what <laughs> oh i know yeah well i'm sure there'll be a usually square has like a, a summer sale like in i think early july i think usually so i have to keep my eye under that maybe i'll pick up the demo and give it a try since it's everybody else on the podcast <laughs> seems to enjoy it um yeah i know for me the um the game that I, I suppose the game i i might recommend but i'm, I'm gonna put a, a little bit of a, an asterisk on it is uh is zanky zero so this is a game we actually did cover it on the Mage when it first came out. I think like two or three years ago. Uh, it it actually came out uh, at the same around the same time as AI, and um and from the same publisher. It's a, it's a, it's from Spike Chunsoft. And uh, this one is was a, a strange game. It the it's the way that it's structured is 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 that it plays like an SMT game where it's uh, first person dungeon crawling where there's like a grid. So you're you're walking through like this grid based it so it plays just like SMT but it has it, it's this weird the, the story is, is is out there uh the science fiction of is is like really out there <laughs> uh because it's basically like the these people so I, I'm going to try to explain it without ruining ruining the story I'm going to try my best so there basically the world has ended and there's I think there's seven there's like seven people left on earth and it's only this itty bitty island that they all show up on. And what they end up learning is that they are all the the weirdness of it is that they find out that they're clones and that they can only live for like five days. And then there's a machine in the island uh, that so when someone dies, uh, they can they can insert this chip. And then they're reborn. And so it's this weird, weird dynamic where you, you'll go into a dungeon. Some people will be kids. Some people will be adults. And some people will be senior citizens. And it changes like daily, like th- this in-game, this in-game timing system. And, and depending and, and the that that dynamic actually changes the, the way that they fight. So like obviously like the children don't, hit, you know, their attacks not as good, but they have more health. And then the adults are the strongest, and then the scene like the the older people again. It's the same thing. Like their their health is declining. They're not. They can't attack as much. So it's this really weird way of of going through. And then and the story is like completely bonkers, in in a good way. And uh, and I just I had a great time with it. It's one of those games that that's I I played it and enjoyed it. And I don't I, I think at the time I was like eight or 8.5 on the on the review like it was i i i enjoyed it but i was kind of like a little unsure of it but it's kind of like one of those games that kind of sticks in your mind later on to the point where it's like maybe i want to play this again and i know uh again going back to the discord i ended up telling people about it in the discord and i know a couple of people picked it up recently because spike chunsoft often has sales on those games but yeah it's for for people who enjoy smt dungeon crawling and uh want want a weird story there's a few story bits that i think western cultures might might find uh uh, odd disturbing i guess would be the thing like that that's my my one asterisk on that game is that there's a couple storylines that that uh make your make your stomach a little queasy i think i've earned it for a while but i haven't played it (laughs) (laughs) you own that yeah, I think I picked it up on a Steam sale after, because um, it was just that 
I played AI, and it was by the AI people. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably how I ended up with it too. It was like I, th- I think I was like on a Spike Chunsoft kick. I was like, "Give me the next one." <laughs> have uh, Have you heard of that one, Rebecca? Um, haven't heard of that one in particular, no. But it does sound interesting from how you're describing it, so I might look into it. Yeah, it's a pretty neat one. Unless uh, anyone uh, has any any last minute RPG recommendations they want to throw out there. I think I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. That's good. I, I was when you put Dragon Quest Eleven on the script page, you, you definitely threw me for a loop because I was certain I was going to see Final Fantasy fourteen. But unsurprisingly, you did sneak, <laughs> you did sneak in your pitch. So. <laughs> so we got we got through the episode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess yep. that uh, brings us to the end of the episode, and I want to thank uh, Rebecca for joining us and Paige for, for coming out to the episode. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. Uh, you want to let everyone know where where they can find you if they want to follow you on uh, the social media, I guess, or uh, through uh, reading up through Nintendo Force, that sort of thing? Nintendo Force is on patreon.com slash Nintendo Force, and you can find me on Twitter at strawbecky, that's S-T-R-A-W-B-E-C-K-Y underscore 8-1. Cool. I know one little boy who keeps t- asking me when, when the next uh, when the next magazine comes out, and I keep telling him they haven't changed anything every two months, every two months. <laughs> well, we're working on the next issue. We're very hard at work, and um, I think you'll like it a lot. Yep, that's... Uh, well, the good thing is is that you can pick up the um, the old, like the back issues digitally, I, I, you can actually order, I think, physical copies too, but I know we picked up, uh, he was getting pretty impatient with the next one, so I ended up picking up the Shovel Knight uh, from a few years ago, and he's he's having a great time with that, so some some good evergreen content to, to fill in the gaps between the, the issues. And uh, Paige, uh, what do you, anything in particular, any reviews that uh, you got on the on the burner going on right now? Um, yeah, I should have something maybe shortly after this episode comes out. It's just got pushed back because I, I caught a cold, so my body was just like, no, no sitting up for you. <laughs> <laughs> a bit later than I wanted to. But yeah, so far only one for sure and other videos I've got to work on. Well, in the meantime, though, people can head over to uh, your YouTube channel, which is just your name, Paige Detlison. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I want to uh, thank everyone for joining me tonight, and uh, we'll see everyone out next week at the next Thursday night. Thank you. Bye. Bye.